how to save for your tax payments. On this episode, you will learn why some people do not make quarterly payments, and if that's the right strategy for you, how to build your tax savings account, and at the end, explain two payment portals that are easy to use so you can DIY your IRS payments, and those are linked in the show notes. As always, if this episode helped you or brought you value, please do me a favor, share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Wealth Muscle, episode 53. So surprised we are still chugging along here. I shouldn't say surprised, but happy we are. So thank you for joining us. If this is your first time listening, Welcome. And want to give you a little background on there. There's two types of episodes, solo episodes like today, where we're going to get to go really deep on a specific topic. The areas are finance, tax, wealth management, investments. Today, we're obviously going to go, if you, you know, we already heard the summary. So we're going to go deep into, into a tax strategy or tax topic today. The second type of show that we do is we bring on a guest and they are either like a colleague of yours, other fitness entrepreneur or they support the fitness industry in some capacity and they'll talk about their expertise and hopefully we can give some takeaways and deep dives into that. But today's going to be a solo all about how to save for year end taxes. If you want more information, like an in-depth dive on how to make your quarterly tax payments, that was episode 39. And I'm going to recap some of those things here in case you didn't listen to that episode or if perhaps I say it a different way and it it resonates with people. So I'm going to sort of just dive in. And right out of the gate, when it comes to your quarterly estimates, like if you're listening to this, most likely you are an entrepreneur. So no one's withholding any taxes from you. So that's why we, we as entrepreneurs do quarterly taxes or to quarterly tax estimate payments because... The IRS doesn't like to wait. They want to get paid throughout the year, just like all of your friends and family do when they work for quote unquote nine to five. Someone is withholding that. The employer is withholding their taxes and sending it straight to the IRS. That's what the IRS likes. So as entrepreneurs, we have to do the same thing. And we do that with these quarterly tax estimates. So there's really two ways that you want to look at this as to why we're doing it other than the IRS wants us to. You want to avoid, because if you don't do this, if you don't do it based on the calculation that I'll explain in a minute, you get what's called an underpayment penalty from the IRS, meaning you underpaid what they expected you to pay them or what is required based on the formula that I'll explain. And so they hit you with that penalty. And then the second reason you want to keep up with what your estimated tax liability is going to be is that 
as you're saving throughout the year, like into your tax bucket, which I'll explain at the end of this episode, how to set that up and make payments, you want to know what the balance is going to be. So we make essentially five payments. It's often advertised as four. And even myself last year, I used to advertise it as four, but I think it was confusing to people because it's really five. And this is what I mean, because you have the quarterly payments that we know of as like April 15th, you pay Q1 of the current year. June 15th, you pay Q2 of the current year. So we're, as I'm recording, this is 2022. April 15th was Q1 of 2021. June 15th, Q2 of 2022. Sorry, did I say 2021 for April? I meant to say 2022. September 15th, we pay Q3. And then January 15th of 2023 is when we pay Q4. So by that point, come January, you have a pretty good idea of what you did for the full year of 2022. I mean, give or take January 15th, some bookkeepers may not have your books done yet, which is common, but you have a pretty good idea because obviously the 11 months of it, of the 12 you have in Q December may be done within a week or so, maybe, maybe longer, depending your bookkeeper might roll into February or something like that. But, but you get the idea is that you have a pretty good idea. So when you're in paying January 15th, which is your, your Q4 tax payment, you may just have been making the, the four quarterly payments that your accountant or your tax advisor gave you. And they're probably running that number based on the calculation that I'm going to explain to you. So they're trying to help you avoid the underpayment penalties. Now, the fifth payment, which is due at tax time, which is the upcoming April, that's when you pay the balance due. So if you did better in 2022 than you did in 2021, it's very possible that yes, you hit all those quarterly estimate made payments that your accountant told you about, but you still owe more because what they did was run the calculation to avoid underpayment penalties. And then on the separate bucket is what your balance due is. Because again, if you, they're going to help, unless they're working with you all year round. And this is one of the things I help my clients with, because again, there's, there's two buckets there. It's the avoid your underpayment penalty. So I'm going to just keep it simple. Let's say it's $10,000 per quarter, avoid your underpayment penalty. If you did better than in 2021, you've paid in 40,000, but your tax bill could be 50,000 because you made more income. So that's where that fifth payment comes in when your accountant's going to say, all right, you're you, your balance due is $10,000. And that does not mean that the quarterly estimates were inaccurate. They did their job to avoid the underpayment penalty, but that's that fifth payment. And so as business owners, we want to really be tracking those two types of things because obviously we don't want to get hit with underpayment penalties. But the other thing is if we want that tax account that's going to be paying all the IRS payments to keep up with the fact that if you're having a good year, you have to save some more into it because you're going to owe more. And then just as we're entering Q4, this this advice hopefully will be evergreen, but it's very relevant for this year, obviously, in that Q4 for a lot of people, if you're working with financial advisors, tax advisors, and obviously, hopefully they're working together, like, you know, a, a lot of shameless plugs for my own company in this podcast, but... This is what we do. And this is why I feel it's so important that your accountant, your tax advisor, and your financial advisor, financial planner, it, they, 
financial planner, financial advisor, I use those terms fairly interchangeably. I use investment advisor different because that's typically more of a financial salesperson. But your accountant and your tax advisor may not be the same person. The best way I can describe that is it may be when you have an architect and a general contractor. Uh, many accountants are so busy actually filing the paperwork and keeping up with all the IRS compliance and documentation that they don't have the time or potentially they don't offer the tax strategy because they're in the weeds during tax season filling out all the paperwork. So it's not uncommon that you have a tax advisor who's working with your accountant, but their roles are separate. And that's the way we operate. We do all the tax strategy and then we have partnerships where we say, okay, this is everything we've done for client A this year. And this is how we documented it. And then they fill out the paperwork to make sure the IRS knows and God forbid you're ever audited. We've dotted the I's and crossed the T's. So, so that's where that fifth payment will come down is what, oh, sorry, I, went, I lost my train of thought there. The, the reason I was saying that you have this team of people, your financial planner, tax advisor, accountant, this, all three of us working together. And again, there's, you know, for my clients, I wear the hat of the tax advisor and the financial planner. And that also includes like, when I say tax advisor, that's all the CFO work, like we're deep inside the business. But I feel that's super critical because you're making decisions on what to do with the profits afterwards and what those profits get used for could be back in the business as a, a current year expense or a next year expense, which there's going to be tax differences there, or we're going to roll that into a personal asset on whether that's going to be real estate, buying something for, that your business is going to pay rent on or 401k assets, personal tax, taxable brokerage accounts, things like that. So the reason I say Q4, the, I also am doing this episode similar to what we did on episode 39, but going a little bit in different directions, covering other things. Q4 could increase your taxation because right now we're having a rough year in the stock market. So your financial person might be saying, well, your retirement accounts are down. Here's how we're going to make the best of it. We're going to roll some of this, these pre-tax accounts into post-tax accounts, but you're going to pay the taxes on it. So outside of just your business income, if you have all your strategists really looking at your tax situation, they might be intentionally and for your long-term benefit, creating extra taxation. So that's another reason why that fifth payment might line, might not line up with the first four payments in that, in that scenario, even if your business revenue is the same as it was last year and your business profits are the same as last year. And using that hypothetical of $10,000 each quarter in April of 2023, when you make that fifth payment of balance due, you might be like, hey, what the hell? My business did the same as last year. Why do I owe an extra $10,000 in taxation, in tax liability? That could potentially be the reason. So if you're working with tax advisors and financial professionals, don't be surprised specifically this quarter with things being the way they are. There, those are the types of recommendations you might be hearing. And if you're not hearing those types of recommendations, reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I know the market's down. Are we doing anything with that other than just investment strategies? Because your investment strategy might be on point. Just the markets are always going to have ups and downs. So 
your financial person may not be interested in changing things because they're like, well, hey, this is this is how it works. You know, we're buying more, whatever it is. But there may be location strategies, like moving money from one tax bucket to another, because I say this on almost every episode, tax planning. But if you're new here, again, welcome. And here's something I say all the time is that tax planning, and I didn't make this up. Everyone who does tax planning says this. Tax planning is not year to year. You're not trying to pay as little tax as possible this year. You're trying to pay as little tax as possible throughout your lifetime. So there's times when you're strategically pushing to increase your tax if you're in the lower buckets. So again, if if for whatever reason, there's an opportunity for your tax bracket to have dropped, which in retirement, people say that, oh, you're going to make less money. People listening to this are entrepreneurial and building assets. I believe that's why you'd be listening because that's mostly what we talk about and paying less taxes, which is most people's largest expense. There's going to be times throughout your, your career when you're going to have a lower tax bracket. You could just have a bad year in business or a good year, but you invested heavily. Maybe you're, you've hit a tipping point and you're like, okay, I need to hire three or four staff members on my team. So that's going to, the investment is going to come before the return. So you could have a very low profit that year, knowing that in the years to come, as your team gets ramped up and everything starts rocking and rolling, your, your profits could skyrocket past where they previously were. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't be unexpected for a tax advisor who knows what you're doing and knows the long-term vision of your personal assets and your business asset to say, Hey, there's an opportunity here where you you're going to have lower income maybe the next this year and next year but then after that you're going to be a seven figure business that's what we're projecting and you're going to be in the top brackets so let's fill up these lower brackets so that's a little more of a tangent than I wanted to go on with that but I want people to be thoroughly understanding that th- these estimates that you're making are to avoid the penalty and to get ready for the fifth payment which is the balance due so how do you calculate that number? There's there's really two lines on the tax return that you want to look for. The first one is line 11. It explains, I shouldn't say explains, it shows you your adjusted gross income. We'll call that AGI. And then line 24 is what your total tax bill is. Those are basically the two numbers. If you know those two, you can run all the, this calculation by yourself. You don't need an accountant. You don't need anybody's help. So the reason that you need to know the first number, which is your AGI, is because you're going to look at the, the second number, which is your total tax, and you're going to divide it by four. Now, if your number 11 or your line 11 is lower than $150,000 AGI, you can take what you paid last year in 2021 and divide it by four. And that number, that's line 24, divide by four and pay that out over the, the four quarters that we may, mentioned. That's going to give you 100% of your current year tax liability, or sorry, your previous year's tax liability to avoid that underpayment penalty. If you made more than 150000 on line 11, then you have to take your total tax, which we said is line 24, and multiply it by 110%. 
So that way, and then you divide it by four. So basically there's two ways that you, two things you're going to do. You're going to see if you made a hundred, more than 150,000 in 2021. And if you did, you multiply your total taxes by 110%. So you're actually just adding 10% to it. And if you, and then you divide it by four and you pay that out over those four payments that I mentioned, which is April, June, September, or January. If you made less than that, then you just divide it by four. If you made less than 150,000 on line 11, then you just divide it by four. You divide line 24 by four and you pay it out. So that's basically the simplicity of it. If you want more details, again, you can go back to episode 39. Now we know how much we owe quarterly to, to keep up with it. Before we dive into how to save for it, I do want to say this one thing, and I can't remember if I mentioned it in episode 39 or not, but the underpayment penalties are lower than most people think. And what I mean by that is compared to the cost of borrowing, I believe right now the IRS is charging 6%. It was 5 and I think they just moved it or it's about to get moved in October to 6%. But don't quote me on that as I'm recording this. It's probably 5 or 6% is what they're charging. Now, is that cheap? I don't know. Compare it to where other sources of your funds would come from. All I'm saying is if you're looking to do something in your business, if you're looking to expand, if you're looking to hire a team, if you're looking to put something on a credit card or borrow from a line of credit from the bank, whatever you're considering doing to fund the, the current project that you're working on, ask yourself or legitimately ask a financial person to help you if you're not sure how to run this number, but find out what the other interest rate is. If the other interest rate on a credit card is 20% and you don't pay the IRS because you will just eat the underpayment penalty, of 6%, let's just call it, then that arbitrage might be a strategic business decision in your favor. So I'm not saying that for everybody, it makes sense to keep up with these quarterly payments, but I will say this, the IRS is not someone you want to owe money to. So what you do with the money throughout the year is up to you. Now, I'm not recommending one thing or the other, because I know there's strategic ways to use the cost of capital to your advantage. But Come April the following year, so I'll just say April 15th, 2023, which I assume is a Friday. If it's not a, if it falls on a weekend, then it's that upcoming Monday. But if you decide to do that strategy, your balance due is still due on April 15th. So even if you file an extension and you, and that pushes you out to October 15th, your payment is still due. So in this hypothetical that we used before, where in 2021 you owed 40, in 2022 you're going to owe 50. If you decide, like your tax advisor tells you you're gonna you're on pace to 050, okay, no problem. And then you decide to use the money for X, Y, and Z expansion. Come April 15th of 2023, you say to your accountant, now put me on extension. Okay, no problem. That fifty thousand still due on April 15th. You can file on October 15th because you put the extension in and then you're good to go. You avoid penalties for late filing because you extended that legitimately, but you cannot put on extension owing money. They have installment plans and things like that. But what I'm saying is there's the IRS assesses penalties in two categories. It's filing and paying and they treat them separately. So if you file your extension, cool. You just delayed getting, you, you did that properly. So you're not going to get hit with 
failure to file penalties. However, the payment is still due. So you can play the arbitrage and use the cost of capital to your advantage to reinvest in something. Again, maybe you have, maybe whatever it is, doesn't matter. I'm not going to even give a hypothetical, but if you want to put yourself on credit with the IRS, similar to a credit card, maybe you only need the money for three or four months and then a course or a mastermind or a retreat or something that you ran with your clients pays out and then you can pay back, I'll call it a loan, but for lack of a better term, you were going to put 40K on a credit card, but instead you just didn't pay the IRS. Then you get your 50K or 60K back when the retreat or the course launch, whatever it is. That's cool. Then you just put that money into your tax account and you played the game properly. And But just know the cost of capital that you're, that you're evaluating. Could be a credit card, could be a line of credit from the bank. Just knowing what the IRS is going to charge you, you can make strategic decisions and say, all right, I'm going to just use that 40K to avoid putting... 20 or 30, 20 or 25% interest rate, depending on how your credit is on a credit card for multiple months. So I, I just want that to be clear that you you can strategically not pay your estimated taxes, but it's still helpful to always keep up with what you're likely to owe so that you can prepare to save. So let's talk about how to save. So I'm a big fan of the profit first system. The way that works and the way I try to explain to my clients, and I've added a lot of extra nuance to it for fitness coaches, here's how you do it. If you follow the Profit First system to a T, they'll basically tell you to right off the top, the way you, you divide your money is essentially into four buckets. So on one, one account gets all of your business income. And then from there, you take a percentage and you move it to the profit side. That's why it's called profit first. I want you to do that first. So let's call that 10%. I'm just going to use real simple numbers. Say that the monthly income was 100K, just because that's simple. So you're going to take 10%, which is $10,000, and you move it into your profit account. Then there's what they call owner's compensation. They break that differently out than your profit because that's your living expenses different than the amount of money you're going to move into a personal asset, which is the profit account. Let's call that 20% just to keep the math simple. So you move that in that 20,000 into your owner's compensation bucket. Now we move into the taxes. Let's say that's 30%. Again, this is all coming off the top. This is your revenue number makes it a lot easier for people. And so in that scenario, we'll say it's 20%, I'm sorry, 30%. So we'll move $30,000 right into a tax account. And then the rest is in, that's the other 40% is operating expenses. Now, I just wanted to use that as a hypothetical example, just because it's also easier 10, 20, 30, 40, but those numbers are going to change. Most people listening, unless you're, depending on the size of your team, you're, especially if you are still running the business by yourself, you have pretty high profit margins. So some of those might even be flipped for you, but finding those percentages of the profit and the owner's comp, that's based on how much you want to reinvest in the business. And if you're looking to grow a team, then your profit at 10% may not be leaving the business. It may be coming right back into the operating expense account because you're going to hire team and outsource the things that are the least valuable use of your time but then you're at 20% out the business. So now let's get back to the, the focal point of that 30% for taxes. 
again, even if you don't run the profit first system, if you, you just do it at basically two buckets, the money goes everywhere else and then taxes right off the top. You want to move 30%. I'm just using that hypothetically, but realistically, if you're doing this throughout the year, you want to look at between 20 and 30% of your top line revenue immediately goes into a tax account. If you're just starting this now, as I'm recording this, this is going to launch probably in October or the last week of September is when you'll be hearing this. If you're listening to it live, obviously you might hear it years from now. But if you're just starting essentially in Q4, then you might want to move 40 to 50% of your top line revenue into your tax account. So where does... And one last thing, if you're an S-Corp, when it comes to how much you should be withholding. When you're looking at the wages that you have, whether depending on who your payroll provider is, when you're looking at your wages, there's gonna be two categories of taxes that you're gonna see. You're gonna see the employee withholdings and the employer withholdings. When you're factoring in how much to save and send to the IRS, only that first portion, the employee withholdings, counts for you. What the employer, which is obviously your own business, it get confusing because you're all the same person, but for the purposes of an S-Corp, you have to differentiate you, the employee of your business, and you, the owner of your business. The owner of your business is, is sending employer withholdings to the IRS, but they don't count for you. Only your employee side counts. So if hypothetically you're salary $1,000 a month is going to the IRS on the employee side, at the end of the year, your accountant will look at $12,000 of withholdings. The other hypothetical 12,000, that doesn't count for you. So when you're doing the calculation, trying to figure out, okay, well, I owe 10,000 a quarter plus just the employee side. That's how much the IRS has or is expected to have from you. So that's one thing I just wanted to bring up when it comes to S-Corps in case that was a point of confusion. One, one last point on this, and we're on pace to, to end quickly, which was my goal today, not to make it a, a very long episode. But if you're doing that throughout the year, whether it's the 20 or 30%, and again, that's, that's, that's based on your income tax bracket. So if you're in the, the 32, 35, 37% bracket, you want to be on that higher end of the range of closer to 30%, maybe even a little bit higher, depending on how profitable your business is. And on that also, that could also depend on where you live as well. If you're in California, New York, you might be 35% on your top line. But if you're, like I said, if you're starting this later on, you might want to be around 40 or 50% because you have to catch up for the whole year. But the good news is you have until April to do this. It's not like it's all due the end of the year. You want to pay as much as you can in January, but you have until April before this is all due. Here's one last component that I recommend. And your accountant might disagree on this, and that's that's fine. When you have your business, if you have an LLC or an S-Corp or an LLC taxed as an S-Corp, you have a business entity and part of that business entity requirement is that you protect the corporate veil. And one of the things that pierces the corporate veil is making personal 
spending personal, sorry, paying for personal items from your business bank account. So an obvious example would be if you're out with friends and you're just going shopping for clothes and shoes that are clearly personal and you're swiping your business debit card or credit card. Those are clearly personal expenses. And in the eyes of someone who may be suing you, you are treating your business and your personal life as one, which doesn't respect the corporate veil. And the whole point of the LLC is to keep a, a lawsuit trapped in the business and they can't roll into your personal life and go after your assets that you personally own. Now, when it comes to paying taxes, accountants differ on this last topic. So I don't care what your accountant says because the accounting world doesn't agree on this. I take the side of caution. Your LLC doesn't pay taxes. You personally pay taxes because these are passed through entities, which means your LLC, your S Corp, it's not paying taxes. It's passing those taxes through to you. So if you cut a check to the IRS from your business, you can argue that you paid a personal expense out of the business. Now it's not tax deductible, but it's also a personal expense. So I talk to some, you talk to some accountants, they'll say, oh, well, you can pay that through the business. Like we're not going to deduct it, but you can pay it through the business. Then you talk to others and say, no, you're going to pierce the corporate veil by doing that. And since I can't get a consensus on it and I don't really care what your accountant says, I like to err on a side of caution. What I'm saying is if you have a tax account, you can have one in your business. I like to do that because I like to have the, the buckets so that you can move things and from a visual, I'm a very visual person. So I like when I see the money allocated for profit, allocated for taxes, allocated for operating expenses. And then what I'm recommending you do is where you hold that tax account that's actually linked to the IRS should be outside of your business. It should be a personal account listed under your social security number. And you tie that to the IRS payment portals. And so it's a two-step process. Each month, you're pulling that 20 to 30% out of business. I'm going to say 30 because that was hypothetically used before. So every month, you're pulling 30% of your top-line revenue out of your business into a tax account that's used exclusively for the IRS payments. And then that's what you're paying it out of. So it moves each month, it moves out of your business, and then five times a year, it goes from that personal savings account to the IRS. Now, which ones you use? I like the online banks because right now there's a few that are very uh, competitive with interest rates. They're actively growing them each year or uh, sorry, each month or each week, even as interest rates are increasing around us economically, they're keeping up with it. So this money is going to pool there, which is what you want because you're going to have some months on your business that are really good. So you're sending 30% down then. Maybe you have some bad months. And so things start to level out. And then at the end of the year, when you owe that payment, maybe you still have money left over in your IRS account. That's okay because you want that ability because you're eventually going to be at a point where either monies are going to start to get low in the tax account because maybe your revenue increased and you didn't increase the percentage as quickly as you should have. Or what we talked about in the beginning of the, the podcast, you're 
tax advisor might come with, come up with some strategies for you and say, Hey, I have an idea. Like we could move, we could move a hundred thousand dollars out of your IRA into a Roth IRA. Like this would be a perfect time to do it, blah, blah, blah. But this is going to increase your taxes for the year by $12,000. Is that okay with you? And you might be like, ah, oh, geez. But then you look at the balance due and you have it. Then you look in your bank account and you're like, oh, there's actually another $20,000 in my tax account. So yeah, let's do that strategy. Let's take advantage of it. I This money's earmarked for the IRS and let's do this advantageous strategy. Here's how I'll pay the tax bill. So you have that flexibility because those opportunities are going to come. And where are you going to pay for those? Because again, some of the big tax strategies do come from or do require that you pay now, which can be painful at times. So that that could cost people the ability to do that strategy if they can't afford the taxes on it. So the last thing I want to talk about, and I apologize, I don't remember how in-depth I went into this in the, the last episode on episode 39. Again, you can get all these extra details. And I go through the more hypotheticals of how to run this on episode 39. But the last thing I want to go is how do you actually pay the IRS? Cause you don't need the, an accountant to do this for you. And even if your accountant is doing this for you, I, I'm going to, I want you to rec- follow the steps. I'm saying at least the first part of what I'm saying, because you want to verify that this is happening for you. And it's not just because the, of the potential for fraud from an accountant or financial person, but the IRS, as we've seen, they could make a mistake and lose things. So the first thing I'll say is when you're sending your payments, I would recommend you round them off to the nearest dollar. And, and here's what I mean. And correspond those to the quarters. So here's what I mean. So if you're sp- spending, sending $10,000 a quarter in, like we talked about, the first payment in Q1, you should send $10,001. Q2, it's June now, send $10,002. Q3, $10,003. You get the idea. And the fifth payment, I'm not worried about because it's typically the balance due is going to be a weird number that's going to be precise. So that's going to obviously be a placeholder. But when you go into irs.gov and then you're going to click on go to your account, let me just, let's do this live. I had some of these. Yeah. You're going to go to irs.gov. And click sign into your account. If you do not have an account, make one. Because this is where you're going to log in and see that these payments are actually being processed by the IRS. And it's going to take a while. So like, don't send it in and then check the next day. It's probably going to be six to eight weeks before those show up on your payment history. But that's better than six or eight years before you realize the IRS is not getting your tax payments. So once you're into your account, again, I highly recommend you go to irs.gov sign in, get your account. Like you should, the same way, like you would, you open an account at Wells Fargo or Chase or any of the banks. Like I'm not endorsing those. I'm just saying you, you go and then you open up an account and then you open up your online access. You should be doing the same with the IRS. Make sure they're processing your stuff. So you then go to irs.gov slash payments. And there's going to be links to all this on the, in the show notes, but you would go through and you can just make a payment that way. It's really, it's much simpler than you think. And then you can go in click the quarter or I'm sorry, the year that you're assigning it to. That's the first way. The second way, again, you go to the irs.gov and when you make, you can click on make a payment and then obviously you go to your account 
Now there's, when you're in the make a payment, there's two things you can do. The, what I just said, you go in, pay now with direct pay. And that's where it's pretty simple to do that once you're inside your account, but you have to type in all your information. So that all your banking, your, your banking account number, your routing number, everything you have to do it every time, which I think is a little bit annoying. And more importantly, you risk a typo, which no one likes. The second thing you can do is when you're, when you're on that, that screen, the irs.gov slash payments, and I'm just reading this IRS website as I'm talking to you guys, there's, if you scroll about halfway down, there's a button that says make pay business payments or scheduled estimated payments with the electronic federal tax payment system, EFTPS. Then there's a little blue button and you can click that, go to EFTPS. And again, there's going to be links to this in the show notes. I recommend you go to the EFTPS, which is their electronic system and enroll. And now it's not the, this is actually a perfect time if you're listening to this when this comes out, because it takes a couple of weeks to do this because you're going to go through and they actually physically mail you a pin that you then get that. And then you can finish your enrollment and then you go through, you log in all your information, your bank information, and it saves right there. What's cool about that is if you really want to put this on autopilot, which for some people, that's a really good idea. You can go through and schedule all your quarterly payments for the year all at once. So that's a nice feature. So you, if you're one of the people that likes to just set it and forget it, you don't necessarily, whatever, for whatever reason, this is how you could do it. And you can automate everything for the full year. And again, I wouldn't, wouldn't do it for the final payment because your account's going to give you that precise number. But if you want to do your quarterly payments, because most accounts will say they'll spit out when they give you your, your paper return or your PDF return, whatever, it'll show you what you owe. So it'll say like, and they, they might not do it for you. You can, you have to ask them quite frankly, you should ask them, but they say pay $10,000 and they'll tell you the dates to do it. Like usually they're pretty good with that. Their, their software is going to print something out that runs all this calculation that I just said. And even if you're a DIY person, maybe your software tells you as well. But you can go on to this system. Again, it's EF, the, the website itself is eftps.gov backslash eftps backslash. I think those are the backslashes. Anyway, this, there's, this is linked in the show notes. But then you can just make all four of those yourself. And I, I recommend you do that. So I hope this has been helpful. As always, if this has been, please share it with a friend. You can tag us on social media, doing our best to try to grow the show and provide as much value as possible. So shout out to a buddy of mine who, and I was trying to think of an episode. He's like, I think people want to know this right now. So it's one of the reasons I redid this episode with a little more detail, but also from another vantage point. So as always, thank you for listening and you have a great day. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.